Oh, for Craft's Sake is a podcast hosted by the Craft Council of British Columbia, a charitable art service organization located in Vancouver, Canada, as part of an institutional effort to have more conversations about contemporary craft, as well to highlight and promote the work being done by local craftspersons in British Columbia. The CCBC wishes to acknowledge that this podcast was conceived and recorded on the traditional and ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hi, Alex. Hey, Jasmine. How's it going? It's, uh, it's going well. Cool. Should we get started? Yeah. Hello, all, and thanks for tuning in to Oh For Craft's Sake, a new podcast hosted by myself, Jasmine Hines, and Alex Montez of the Craft Council of British Columbia. This week, we're talking about CCB history, the advocacy work being done by the Craft Council of British Columbia, and we're speaking with special guest Lou Lin, recipient of the Governor's General Sadie Bronfman Award. Alex, let's get started. So Jasmine, tell us about yourself. Well, I am the curatorial and communications assistant. I work under the direction of our executive director, Rain Mackay, and under the direction of you. <laughs> the majority of my work includes planning, um, installing, and promoting our exhibitions that are held in our gallery space on Granville Island. And I take the lead on programming events related to exhibitions. I'm involved with a number of our larger projects, including the Personal and Material Geographies exhibition, which we'll talk a little bit about later, and Dance Craft, which is an up-and-coming project that's been in the works for a while now, and it's coming in 2022. We'll learn more about that project later on in the season of our podcast. Alex, what's your role at the Craft Council of British Columbia? I am the Communications and Membership Coordinator at the Craft Council of BC, and I have been at the CCBC for a little over three years now. My role at the Council has changed over the years, but it currently touches on the majority of the programming we have as it relates to promotion and content. Some of my activities include developing and overseeing digital content, online communications, and online presence of the CCBC. And last year, I also took over membership services, which have mainly included updating our membership program and system. Let's tell our listeners now about the organization that we work for, and that's hosting this podcast, the Craft Council of British Columbia. Right. So if you have heard of the Craft Council of BC... You might have heard that we have a shop on Granville Island, that we are a nonprofit, but you might not know about our history and how far back the council goes. All the way back to the early 70s, we're actually um, declared an organization or formally become an organization until 1972. And Back then, we were called the CABC, Craftsmen Association of British Columbia, which (laughs) I think we can agree that it was a change for good into CCBC. Mm -hmm. How did we come into creation? Well, we were created by members of the Visual Arts Committee of the Community Arts Council of Vancouver in recognition of a expanding, growing craft community in British Columbia during the early 70s, like you said. We were the first umbrella organization for the crafts in the province, and our mandate was to provide information to our members and the general public. We provided a library, a reading room, a lounge and display area. We sponsored exhibitions and lectures, provided and maintained files, indexes, and slide portfolios of members that were all accessible to the public. We made an effort to enhance educational opportunities in the province by providing scholarships, bursaries, and other assistance, such as traveling assistance, to our members. And we encouraged and helped to develop marketing opportunities. 
we applied for uh, formal organization status in 1972, and in 1973, we became a formal organization under the Societies Act of BC, um, back then with the name of Craftsman Association of BC, with around 300 members, with Jean-Marie Weekland as the first CABC president. And whereas we are now located on Granville Island, our first office, the CABC's first office and resource center and exhibition space was located in the Dominion building on the corner of Hastings and Camby. It's a really cool triangular building. What do they call those? Oof, um, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. Where we're Flipping. just going to call them triangle buildings. Triangle building. It, it was, it's really, it's a really iconic building. Um, Mm-hmm. They're intact. Yeah. I've only been in the lobby. There's a really cool mail slot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It actually goes all the way th- to the top. Yeah. Like you drop the mail down and you can see it come down. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. And now there's a really great restaurant in the bottom of the building, Nuba. Oh, I haven't gone there. Shout out, Nuba. <laughs> there's also an opa supply way at the bottom oh yeah shout out opus yeah also if you're a member with ccbc you get a 10 percent discount at opus supplies nice so in 1979 seven years after we became a formal organization the cibc moved to 1411 Cartwright Street. So this is in Granville Island. We're moving to Granville Island now, which was newly developed at the time. This was in the earliest days of Granville Island becoming a a tourist hub. Yeah. And it was right, not right in front, but um, kitty corner with where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And Granville Island was also being developed by the federal government through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, CMHC, which we still deal with on a regular basis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still run the island and sort of have control over everything that's going on on the island. They can decide what businesses can enter the island, and we filter all of our events through CMHC. They're kind of like the island boss. <laughs> they're essentially our landlord so you know mm-hmm. the, every kind of uh support promotion of the businesses on the island they they help out with that they did help renters out with rent relief because of the pandemic so we're grateful for that uh, allowed us to stay open and then when we first moved to the island we were in two separate buildings. We had our sort of office space and then our gallery space was a separate society with its own board of direction and its own staff and its own programming initiative. But in 1985, we moved into our current location, 1386 Cartwright Street and the craft house was open. And that is our gallery shop and our, um, our gallery and shop. And that was in May of 1986. It took a few more years for the name change to happen. In 2009, the CABC turned into CCBC, the Craft Council of BC, and remains that way today. And back then, we uh, our shop was called Craft House. The name was officially changed um, about three years ago into the CCBC Shop and Gallery. And I think a lot of people in Vancouver recognize us for our location on Granville Island. When we bring it up, or when I bring it up to friends and family, they say, oh, the gallery shop on Granville Island. But we are much more than that. We are more than our shop. We are more than our shop. We, we have beautiful, beautiful work to, that you can purchase on the island, but that's only a small, that's only the tip of the iceberg of what we do. 
Yeah. So, of course, one of our mandates is to promote the work of artists, right? So the shop or social enterprise is one of the ways that we promote their work, one of the ways that we support artists to sell their work, but it's not the only way we do so. Right. So in addition to our social enterprise shop that we have on Granville Island, we undertake a number of projects and we always have. One of our first projects was the publication Craft Contacts. We started that in 1970. And that was a newsletter shared bi-monthly with members of the emerging craft community. So that first run of newsletters that we sent out went to 150 mailboxes. It was a physical piece of paper and not an email. Of course, this is the 70s here. <laughs> we still have some copies of the original print versions. And, uh, you know, makes me want to go back a little bit, maybe have a print version as well. It's not. Maybe nowadays it's not the most effective way to communicate, but it certainly was pretty. I get really excited when I get mail from art galleries. You know, the Vancouver Art Gallery sends out like their programming guide at the beginning of the year or something. Mm -hmm. I always get excited to see that. I think that most of the, the emails I get regarding exhibitions and programming going on in the arts, I gloss over. But physical yeah. mail is still exciting. It is exciting. If you think about back in the 70s when people are getting this physical piece of mail and they're not being bombarded in their email as well, it was probably quite exciting. Like this was their only news news resource. And yeah, I mean, I guess for artists as well, it's there's something extra or there's something more exciting about having something physical to hold. Yeah. And to go through and to you know, save for later or share that you don't get with emails. Yeah. So craft contacts, what was in it? There was information about what craft artists had going on, exhibitions, events. Maybe if somebody was looking for uh, a specific material, if somebody was selling something, there was an editorial section. There were, there were opportunities for calls for entry, etc. Very cool. It was very and cool. And now, today? This year, we updated all our communication, newsletters, etc. And we brought back craft contacts from the grave, this time in the form of an email newsletter, which we sent out every month, as well as a Makers Monthly, which is the members-only newsletter, and the Shop Happenings newsletter, which has news about everything that's going on in the, in the social enterprise shop. And in addition to the monthly bulletins, which is just one of many initiatives that we've taken on, we do a lot of advocacy work. And this is probably our most overlooked area. Yeah. So we are an art service organization and we work really hard to advocate for the craft, for craft and for craft artists across the province. We work with other art service organizations or ASOs, as we call them in the biz. Um, <laughs> and that's organized through the BC Alliance for Arts and Culture. And we meet weekly with them to discuss various initiatives going on. We're continually lobbying the government to secure funding for BC Arts Council and for craft artists specifically. We're working with the ministers whose portfolios directly impact arts and cultural funding. So we're ensuring that every minister, and they change a lot, understand the history and their impact on the arts and crafts community. We also create and collect a lot of surveys that demonstrate how environmental, financial, and organizational circumstances impact artists' organizations' ability to create and exhibit and promote art. We use the surveys to understand the artists' needs. So we're not, you know, going in blind, lobbying the government based on what we think artists' needs. We're going directly to the artists, finding out what their needs are from them and then bringing that forward. So those are just some of the things that we're doing at the provincial level. Yeah. We're also advocating for artists at the national level. Mm -hmm. 
working with the Canadian Craft Federation. Yeah. Making sure that artists in British Columbia are part of the national conversation and federal funding bodies that BC artists are recognizing. Mm -hmm. And we, rather than um, our executive director sitting at the table for that, we have um, a representative. This year it's Bettina, Bettina Matskun. And the year before that, it was Lou Lynn, who was our guest this week. And we'll talk a little bit more about her later when she comes on. Yeah. Another ministries we lobby is the Gaming Commission around equitable distribution of gaming funds to nonprofits and arts organizations in particular. We actually have a meeting this month to educate um, around why we as a sector primarily run by volunteers deserve funding for our activities. So if you, you might not know, but a few years ago, we lost uh, our gaming funding, which actually funded the Craft Contacts publication, which is the main reason why we had to switch to an electronic format. Mm. So that just attests to the importance of gaming funding. And often in the arts, we don't even really register that the gaming ministry or the gaming commission, sorry, is um, a partner in distributing funds to the arts. We often only look towards the BC Arts Council or Provincial Arts Councils and then the Federal Federal Arts Council or Canada Council. Mm-hmm. We're also part of the Visual Arts Alliance, the Canadian Arts Coalition, and are currently developing um, a definition of professional craft artists to use as a basis for discussion with the government. You know, talking about how craft is recognized in Canada, it's not usually lumped in with the visual arts. And I think that we're sort of advocating for craft to have its own space in Canada, but to be treated equally as the visual arts, as it is as important. And there are many artists working in the craft sector who are left out of visual arts conversations because they're craft artists. So speaking of advocacy, another way we go about advocating for craft artists is staying on top of what awards are being offered and funding opportunities for our artists and ensuring that they're being put forward for awards and funding. And most recently, a member of ours, Lou Lin, was awarded the Sadie Bronfman Award, which is a Governor General Award in Canada, awarded to a craftsperson who is making a significant contribution to the field of craft. The CCBC routinely nominates artists for uh, three external awards, including the Sadie Bronfman Award, the Robert Jekyll Award, hosted by the CCF, and the Carter Wask Award for Applied Art and Design by the BC Achievement Foundation. So, of course, we nominated Lou. We had been nominating her. She had, well, she will talk about that later, so I'm not going to say anything. Let's tell our viewers, viewers, <laughs> this is a podcast. This is a podcast. Let's tell our listeners who Lou Lin is, if they don't already know. So who is Lu Lin? Lu Lin began exploring the sculptural potential of glass in the mid-1980s and attributes her interest in the use of glass as a sculptural medium, medium to the frequent periods of study she undertook at the Philchuk Glass School in Stanwood, Washington, which for anyone who doesn't know is the place to be if you are studying glass or if you are a glass blower mm-hmm. or working with glass. That's... That's the hub. That's, that's the one. Lu Lin is widely regarded for the work she has done to assist artists to market their work. She taught professional practice at the Kootenai School of Arts for 14 years and delivered over 80 workshop on the subject across Canada. She was the lead author of Marketing Guide to Fine Craft in the U.S. and of Marketing Northwest Coast Native Arts and Crafts. 
Lynn and a colleague were responsible for the Beyond Borders craft marketing conferences held in Nelson, BC and Fredericton, New Brunswick. Additionally, Lynn was a co-author of Contemporary Stained Glass, published by Doubleday. Lynn's been awarded grants from numerous arts organizations, including the BC Arts Council, Columbia Kootenai Cultural Alliance, Vancouver Foundation, and the Canada Council for the Arts. In 2006, she was the recipient of the Gerson Award for Excellence, Innovation, and Leadership from the Craft Council of BC. And in 2010, she was inducted into the Royal Canadian Academy of Arts, or the RCA. And finally, Lynn was the recipient of the Governor General Sadie Bronfman Award, as I previously had said. Alex, can you tell us where Blue Lynn's sculpture has been exhibited? Yeah. Lynn's sculpture has been exhibited nationally and internationally and can be found in collections including the Canadian Museum of History in Quebec, Canadian Clay and Glass Museum in Waterloo, Ontario, Claridge Collection in Montreal, Foreign Affairs Canada, the Berlin Embassy Collection in Germany, the Glass Museum in Denmark, Northlands Glass Centre in Scotland, Kamloops Public Art Gallery in Kamloops, BC, and Xerox of Canada Collection in Toronto, Ontario, as well as the Yunnan Han Rongxuan Art Museum in China, Montreal Museum of Fine Arts in Montreal, Two Rivers Gallery in Prince George, BC, and the Corning Museum of Glass in Corning, New York. She has also been a visiting artist and taught workshops at numerous institutions, including the Sheridan College of Art and Design in Ontario, Nova Scotia College of Art and Design, University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at the Alberta College of Art and Design uh, in Calgary, Alberta, the Academy of Art and Design, Tsinghua University in Beijing, China, the Northlands Glass Center in Scotland, and the Corning Museum of Glass Studio in Corning, New York as well as the previously mentioned Pilcha Glass School. So she, she has been a teacher to many craft artists around the world, touching the career of so many craft artists. Her impact is big. Yes. Yeah. She has a big it, impact. Definitely. And in addition to all of this, Lou's been a long-time member of the CCBC. She's been the president she's been the provincial representative she's been the co-president and she's been a board member and let's welcome her in hi 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 hey so here we are it's the big day congratulations big day. yes congratulations thank you. thank you thank you very much we've already seen it announced in several places the Studio Magazine. Um, oh, studio has it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the people from um, the Ornamentum Magazine. And, yeah. of course, the Craft Council. <laughs> of course, the Craft Council. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had a bunch of lovely emails from people, so that's been, that's been nice. Yeah. yeah. So, where are we going to start, guys? Should we get into it? Well, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we could get into it. Yeah. Why don't you start by telling us about your history with the CCBC? How did you get involved? You, you know, when I started working, um, I was out here in the Kootenays, and it's it's a can, it can be a lonely place, <laughs> really, to try and to try and forge a creative career. At that point, there were a bunch of us. Uh, who were just starting out, and we were all trying to figure out how do we do this from out here. And somewhere along the line, then I heard about uh, the Craft Council of BC and started, uh, you know, finding out about that. And was an early subscriber to Craft Contacts, and that that for me and for a whole bunch of people uh, at that time became a lifeline because there was no internet. So if there was something going on, like a an exhibition or craft fair or news, you know, opportunities, whatever. That was how we found out about it. So I was glad right. to see that it's being, it's being uh, revived. Craft yeah. 
Now, now that you mention it, um, we had been going through the older, um, the archived issues of the yeah. physical craft contacts. And yeah. um, Jasmine wrote a little blog post, um, you know, talking about what was going on back then. I think it was like the, the very first issues. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read that. It was, on, it was on the website or on the email last week or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I read that and, and I, I commented to a friend, like she remembered also the, the good old days of craft contact. So, yeah, so that was, it was a vital, a vital thing. Now, of course, uh, we have the internet that's replaced it all, but still, I think, I think getting of information is, is paramount for all of us, whether we're in the city or whether we're living rurally. Having access to that uh, yeah. set of... Yeah information yeah yeah because it's a it's a it's a vital i mean it's a role that i think organizations can play because they can you know they they can act as a hub and ferret it out the information that's relevant to the rest of us and so i i think that that's a good a good role for various organizations definitely and back then were you still living in in nelson no, um, no, I was, well, I may have been living in Nelson, I, but basically in this general area, in the West Kootenai area, Nelson and area. I live in the Slocan Valley now, and I've lived, um, you know, we had property up the valley for a while, and we've been at this spot for about 30 years. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's that's right. So, yeah, so the general area. Right. So you came to the Kootenays and you found out about CCBC, you started subscribing to the craft contacts and then yeah. how did you become more active in the craft council? I think, you know, I just became, you know, I would, uh, as soon as the, the craft contacts would come in, I would pour over it and say, okay, what's going on and who are these people? And so I made a point of uh, getting out and, and meeting people in those days, just sort of, okay, what is this? Where are we, and what is this place? You know, like the the first office was what was what street was it on Pender, or you know that funny funny little office that was in a tall building on Pender? Yeah, it was um, the Iron something building. Oh, the Dominion building. The yeah. Dominion yeah, building. Thing. Yeah, on yeah, Hastings yeah. and Canby. Yeah, so I remember going in there and talking to Gail Rogers, who was the ED for a long time, and. And she said, well, you remember? And I said, no. And she said, well, you need to become one. I said, okay, if you, if you say so, I'll, <laughs> I'll get right on it here. <laughs> but um, so then I began, I think, to embrace the idea that, uh, you know, there's a quote that I always <laughs> have told a lot of my students, and it comes from through Carfac, and that is, no one's better prepared to represent the, artists, the arts than the artists themselves. Mm -hmm. And I began to see that, you know, a lot of the things that I was thinking about um, were fairly universal to all of us, you know, across the province and even in in the city too. Working rurally and and working in isolation, and that's been a, a favorite theme of mine for a while. Um, when I've taught too, and I've had lots of people in the city say, you know, I feel isolated, and I live in Vancouver, and I thought, oh, I've never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. So I think it behooves all of us to um, do our research and sort of learn about our field and, well, where, okay, how does this work? There's the galleries, there's the curators, here are the magazines, here are the organizations, here are the craft fairs, and sort of put together sort of, a, you know, a business plan, I guess you could call it, figure out how does this industry work that we want to be part of. So that's Absolutely. what I did, only I didn't do it, you know, in, I didn't sit down and say, here's what I need to do. It just sort of happened organically. And I think it's something that that everybody, I always, you know, I get asked to talk to uh, younger artists all the time, and that's one of the things I say is you have to understand, you know, who's out there. You have to start networking and figure out your organizations and join them. And then... You know, oh, they need a regional rep, do they? Well, yeah, I could, I could do that. I think sometimes I've heard the question, well, what's in it for me? I've heard that for a, a lot, many years with respect to 
uh, well, with respect to CABC, you know, and I'll, or CCBC, and I'll say, well, perhaps nothing. You know, this is about about us moving, building um, an organization, and moving it forward together. So I'm I'm very much into that idea that we can be empowered and maybe create something something good for everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now that you're talking about um, being a representative uh, uh, for the province, um, we know you were the provincial representative um, around 1991. Yeah, there was, well, there's two things. So I was the regional rep to the craft council of BC, right? So for a while there was a structure in that we had several reps from around the province because one of the uh, issues has already always been that CCB is co-centric. So then if it's co-centric, how do we get more input from the rest of the province? So the idea was hatched to have regional representatives, one from the Okanagan, one from the Kootenays, one from the north and the island and so forth. So I took on that role for a while for, for our region. And back then, it was CABC, right? The Crafts Craftsmen Association. Well, yeah, there was the Craftsmen Association of BC, and then after much lobbying, we changed that to, you know, be non non gender specific mm-hmm. Craft Council of BC. Oh, so, yes, it was, and I don't remember what year that happened. Somewhere in the vault, there would be that information, I think. The I vault. Have, <laughs> the vault. <laughs> called your office there. Uh, um, I was a board member of the Craft Council of, and I didn't call it the Craftsmen Associate Council of BC because I didn't like that name, but I just, I was a board member of the Craft Council of BC from 83 to 93. 10 and years. Yeah, and then I was I served as the co-president of the Craft Council, and then eventually the president of the Craft Council. Right. Now, okay, so then in those years, I was the provincial representative for about four years to the Canadian Craft Council, and that predates the um, Craft uh, Canadian Craft Federation. Mm-hmm. So, so the Canadian Craft Federation, I was the provincial representative for five years there. Uh, I think one of the main benefits for my practice is is the networking that um, meeting other artists has been tremendous for me. Like I've made some really good friends and we've sort of shared the trials and tribulations of being artists and what it means and how are we going to navigate the waters, you know, that economics change and so forth. Because, and I don't necessarily just mean from my own area, because I can easily meet people from my area, but, uh, you know, I've made a number of good friends from the coast and, uh, and around the province too. So uh, that, I think that's been a, a real, um, I'd say, a real plus for me. You know, it might, the nature of my work has meant that that a lot of the hmm, initiatives that, uh, apart from, say, the exhibitions, the bit larger exhibitions, um, ha- they haven't quite been on the mark for what I do. But, uh, for instance, that, that new one that's that's being undertaken about the online marketing for the higher-end work, I'm interested to see how that pans out. I, I recognize that it's hard for the it's hard for the organization to be everything to everybody and advocate on everybody's needs because, you know, the vast majority would have needs much different than mine. Yeah. My whole artistic career has developed from the Kootenays, actually. Are you so, working from Winlaw right now? Yes, I'm working from Winlaw. I have a studio and a piece of property in Winlaw, so that's where I, I work from. And, you know, many times I've thought, this might be easier if I lived in Vancouver. And yeah. <laughs> well, you, you might say it would be easier, but then there would be the cost of uh, rents. And you know what I know if I look at at my career is that it's not specific to any one place. Like right. there's really not there's not that much that goes on in Vancouver that would 
necessitate me moving there. Like for me, you know, like there's, you know, okay, I have to go to Calgary or I have to go. A lot has been happening back east in the past few years. So, um, but, you know, and the friends I have back east, they're all saying, they're all trying to get out of the cities because the costs of trying to maintain a studio is just exorbitant. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the, the you know like the the bigger projects that the craft council has been involved in for certainly um, I've benefited from and I've appreciated having the opportunity to do so. Have you been to Sleep is for Sissies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. What's that? What question was that? Numbers. <laughs> That's yeah, what I've I been there. In. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I was researching Winlaw and uh, came across it because Winlaw's quite isolated. Like it's really in the middle of nowhere. Yes, you could say that. If you were from the city, you would say that. So yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's it's um, you know generally nine hours from Vancouver, and people who drive faster than me can make it in eight. <laughs> so so we're uh, about forty five minutes from Nelson. Nelson has for a long time been uh, somewhat of a, uh, you know, a smaller a smaller arts hub. It's had, yeah. it's had the art, art school there for a long time, and it's attracted um, a number of creative people to move into the area. Of course, it's always, it's always difficult for them to survive. Mm-hmm. Winlaw, yes, many people say it's the middle of nowhere, but it's, it's not. I imagine that being in the in the center of the Kootenays too has a great impact on your work that might not be that might look different had you been in the city. Yeah, that's that question's been asked a number of times and I used to say, I don't know. I think I'd be making the same kind of work if I lived in in Vancouver, but you know, maybe I wouldn't because a lot of my work um references hand tools and and sort of Certainly, like every day, you know, every day I'm using my hands to whether it be chop wood or dig up the carrots. Yeah. So I'm 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 very connected to to that life. And what, what would it be like not to dig up the carrots, etc.? If I lived in Vancouver, I'd go I'd go to Whole Foods and buy a bag of them. Be a different yeah. type of carrot digging. Yeah, yeah it would be. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's if uh, okay. So I used to say that I didn't think it had an effect, but I I now think that maybe it it does. It has had an effect on the type of work that I produce, and um, certainly, you know, the nature of of this rural lifestyle. Like a lot of my neighbors are aware of what I do, and they'll they'll come over and they'll say. Wow, I've got something I'm going to give you, and so then they'll bring me some obscure shovel or whatever it is, and it'll get added to the collection. And this whole image bank of of tools has slowly grown into mm-hmm. what it is now, and it it feeds then my creativity. Mm-hmm. Well, should we talk about your big award? Okay, we could talk about the big award. Yeah. I think we talked a little bit last week too about how you're you're much more than a glass artist. You're working across multiple media, and um, I guess what we want to know is how you see your work falling into the category of craft, which the Bronfman Award is awarded to someone mm-hmm. making a a significant contribution to fine craft in Canada. So, how do you see yeah. yourself as a craftsperson? Well, I've always identified with with contemporary craft. I mean I'm not in the in the uh I'm not in the production end of it but I'm in the one of a kind of it end of the uh, equation and I think that the way I see it f- myself fitting into craft is through materials like my work is very much rooted in materiality and process mm-hmm. and it's it's not I'm not deeply engaged in the intellectual side of things. I know where I'm going. I know kind of what I'm exploring. But for me, you know, there's nothing. It's it's all about having hands-on and, and working with the material. So that's, that's, I think, a big difference. Because as we see in visual arts, um, there's not 
there's not the emphasis on technique and, ex- and excellence that there is in craft. You know, like you can tell by the um, the finish that I have on my work. It's all, you know, it's all highly polished, and that's very much a part of my aesthetic. Yeah. And it and and you know I'm not to I'm not uh, shy of the word beauty. You know, beauty mm-hmm. is something that I'm happy about. You know, if someone says that work is beautiful, then that's fine. That's fine because I'm definitely uh, um, interested in the aesthetics of my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a number of different places where I jump off of that more contemporary art train and into the craft area. And then, I, like I often have said, I think my work sits sort of comfortably on the line between contemporary art and contemporary craft. Yeah. Yeah. I think with contemporary art, visual arts, there's um, a lot of theory being thrown through that realm of art. Um, yeah. Does that play any role in your practice? Do you? No, do you, it, it does not. No. No, it does not. No, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm more interested in, you know, I'm I'm very keenly interested in how, if I, for instance, last year I did, I, you guys saw the, the pieces I did, the shovels. So yeah. I mm-hmm. immersed myself into shovels and did a whole bunch of research about shovels and how were they used, or I had done the same with buttons. You know, when did buttons enter in and how did they, how were they used and what did we use before we had buttons and what kind of materials? So I get deep into my research like that. But in terms of theory, no, I'm not. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a real distinction between between where craft and and you know the big A contemporary art world is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that distinction so clearly until right now. Mm-hmm. As for the nomination process, well, I I was um, approached by CCBC. They have, as you know, an, an awards committee, and my name was suggested. This uh, I must uh, point out. This was my fourth nomination. Um, and so uh, someone said, "Oh, you, that's that's great." And I said, "Well, you know, a, n- a number of years ago, someone from Canada Council said, no one ever gets this award until they've been nominated at least three times." <laughs> so I thought, "Oh, I guess I'm due." So in terms of of um, the process, then the awards committee, the CCBC's awards committee. I guess meets and reviews uh, names that have been put forward. They maybe bring names to the table and talk about it. And so uh, that's how I was approached. I think the first two times you're allowed to resubmit. So I think the first time they resubmitted, and the second time, you know, so that was one sort of application. And then this one was submitted before, and then it was resubmitted and it was successful. So I mean, that was the, a winner. I, yeah, I think the um, the lineup for for recipients they only give one per year. There are many deserving people out there, and um, frankly, I'm I'm honored to have you know made it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're following on the heels of Anna Torma, whose textile works are absolutely breathtaking. So I think yeah, yeah. 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 There's lots of you know lots of my friends are. Are, uh, I've had emails this morning from a number of them, like Jane Kidd in BC, right? She's on on Salt Spring, yeah. and uh, Susan Edgerly from back east. So, uh, you know, there's there's lots of really good work out there that have mm-hmm. have been the recipients. And then I can think of people who, you know, for one reason or another, haven't. Sometimes it's just a matter of they haven't been nominated. Yeah. If people yeah. if people aren't nominating. Uh, if there's politics involved or somehow they aren't getting nominated, well, then then maybe they don't get the award either. Too. So, yeah. so what was your reaction when you found out, when they told well, you? Well, I was, I was pretty amazed because, uh, frankly, am I talking Jasmine? That was you, right? That was Alex, yeah. <laughs> okay, one of whoever it was. Well, like I said, this is the fourth time, so I, I part of me had sort of thought, yeah, I don't think it's maybe going to be in the cards. But mm-hmm. when they called, and my husband said, Canada Council called, I thought, 
Oh, they did, did they? Well, this is the time of year they would call, and they have no other reason to call me. So, <laughs> no, I was pretty happy about about that. And especially, the, you know, these days with COVID, it's like, can we please have some good news out there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, so it was... It was uh, it was thrilling, actually. Still is. Still is really quite lo- a lovely. Uh, yeah, just lovely to realize, oh, okay, I guess somebody thought that maybe what I'm doing might be worthy of that. So. Yeah, and I think yeah. Rain has thought that for a long time. She speaks very highly of you. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you do some sort of celebration? Well, no, because we can't celebrate. <laughs> oh, nice dinner. I don't know. No, nothing. Nothing. I think we might have a dinner tonight. My husband said, let's have a nice dinner here tonight. So Yeah. Yeah, because we're not going out, then it's kind of, okay, let's make a nice dinner and find a good Netflix movie <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think a number of people who've emailed or phoned me today have said they look forward to the idea for the time when we can all get together and celebrate again so i think that that's one of the effects that covid's having on it on on the arts community is you know our lifeline has been cut off because we mm-hmm. we all look forward to going to the openings yeah that's, you know so much fun to see our friends and you know just go for dinner and different things and we can't do that mm-hmm. yeah but so hopefully we'll all make it through all, this all right There'll be a big celebration at the end if we do. Yeah, it's a yeah, long list yeah. of, of things to celebrate. Yeah, that's right. There's many, many things. And, and you know, hats off to everybody who's keeping these nonprofits going because I know it's been hard. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. the Canada Council and BC Arts, too, they've been really supportive during this time. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think they have. I just got a call from BC Arts Council and... We were discussing that, and so I'm. I was saying I'm glad to see that that our funders are are stepping up and recognizing that this, you know, if they don't if they don't uh, step in now, we could <laughs> really suffer a big loss. Yeah. 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 What are you currently working on? I'm currently working on um, <laughs> on trying to get my leg. <laughs> back to normal I, I yeah. suffered an injury and so that but in terms of the studio the studio work has been sort of put on hold because of this injury yeah because it's it's too hard for me to sort of negotiate out there with doing the things that I do so I've been I've been fortunately because of the award I've had a lot of paperwork to do so I've been in the office doing that and I'll start on my taxes but I have a I have a a new piece that is on the go, but it requires my work is quite physical, and mm-hmm. so with one with my knee being out, it's not a good time to to be hefting these heavy things around and moving crates and so forth. So yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the other thing for all for a lot of us too is okay. Well, yes, yeah, some of, some people are working. I know I've had this conversation with a few of my friends. And they said, you know, I haven't even started my, my winter's work cycle because, you know, sort of because of COVID. It's just yeah. kind of, I think. And, you know, we need for the galleries to get up and running so that we have a place to send our work too. Yeah. 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 So it's, it gets complicated. Definitely. And your work will be shown at the, is it Museum of Ontario? No. Um. Well, the National Gallery has has mounts an exhibition um, of the every the, you know this year's recipients. Yeah. That is that is uh, temporarily on hold because all the galleries are shut down. Yeah. And so I talked with them the other day because I wanted to be prepared for, you know, talking to the press, and they said that at this point they don't know when that will be, and I said. Well, have you guys entertained the idea of combining this year's recipients with next? And they said yes, but they don't. You know, nothing's for certain. Stone. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. So yes, there will, there will be that show. Uh, there will. You know, I have I have had irons in the fire, but it seem it, it'll remain to be seen. Well, are the galleries going to like I had an iron in the fire uh, with with the uh, Mutart in Calgary. You know, it was just sort of, I was 
just sort of feeling my way around and now of course they're closed I'll put some feelers out and uh, the Museum of History is um, they'll buy a piece for their collection mm-hmm. so so that's currently you know in negotiation they're deciding I guess which piece they want and and then we'll carry on to the next step where did you so mention in Calgary well, I was talking, you know, I had I had um, some some conversations going uh, um, about the mutart, M U T T A R T. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that they've they've been closed they've closed now and are doing major renovations and who knows you know what the future looks like there. So um, I've got a number of of. Uh, feelers you know that i need to research and say all right are these guys open and if so you know are they looking to mount exhibitions Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's kind of where that's going it's it's uh it's a slow process at the moment but it'll i I know it'll pick up And if our viewers really want to see your work, they can visit the virtual personal and material and geographies. I said that wrong again. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Personal material and geography. I'll never get it right. But the virtual tour is up. We can see your beautiful shovels there. Yeah. Yes. And I've got a lot of work on my website, too. Yeah. Which is? www.lulin.ca. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, yeah. One question that we're going to ask all of our guests going forward is who are some up-and-coming craft artists that we should be on the lookout for? Do you have any names that you want to throw out? And uh, that one I stumbled on because I'm I'm not, uh, yes, because I'm not teaching right now and I'm not quite certain who's around and what's going on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you think of any names, let us know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I will for sure. I mean, it's a it's a valid question, and and I thought of a number of people, and I thought, no, that person's established. That one's, you know. So, at the moment, no. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting with us, Lou, and talking. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely. Happy I'm happy to, and I wish our whole craft community well, and maybe we get through this together. Yeah. 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 Hopefully soon we will be able to talk in the same room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Not have to zoom and get to Oh yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So okay. Okay. congratulations again. Yeah, congratulations Thank you very much. again. I hope your knee feels better soon. Take some yeah. rest. Great. Okay. Good. Okay. okay. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next month where our guest is Ainsley Beer, who is currently working on a project in which she is visiting all the shops on Granville Island and finding out who is selling fake Indigenous art. She's working on a policy for the island to ensure that Indigenous artists are being adequately compensated for the work they are doing and that indigenous art is not being co-opted by mass producers so indigenous artists have more opportunities to sell their work their authentically produced work the topic of our next conversation will be around cultural appropriation craft hobbies my hobbies are watercolor painting sketching and i like to do some furniture refurbishing light work not from the ground up but it's one of my my hobbies and you love photography i do love photography i i'm mostly interested in um architecture photography, but also film photography. Um, Sadly, with the pandemic, the dark rooms are closed. So I've had 
no opportunity since last year to develop anything, which makes me a little bit sad. Yeah, I think we're all feeling pretty sad in that department, being yeah. locked inside. Oh, yeah. How about you? Well, I'm a graduate student, so any hobbies that I did have, I've forgotten about in my <laughs> <laughs> learning career. But I'm, uh, I'm doing a curatorial master's program at the University of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And I think I spent a lot of my free time in art galleries. Art is my career and my hobby. I also really love fashion. Mm-hmm. I'm a big literature buff. And yeah. What was the last gallery you visited? What was the last gallery I visited? The last gallery I visited was the Contemporary Art Gallery mm-hmm. in downtown Vancouver. They have an incredible exhibition on right now with work by an artist collective called Corbin Union. Mm-hmm. Everyone should check it out. Nice. It plays on all the senses. It's great. Sounds good. Yeah. Go to pizza flavor. Go to pizza flavor. My go to pizza flavor is margarita. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? I do have a favorite movie and it's called. I forgot what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) It's not your favorite movie if you have to look at the title. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Mad Max. Which one, you ask? I love all of them, but I think my... um, I think in terms of production and just, like, excitement, my favorite one is Fury Road. Although I do love Battle in the Thunderdome or whichever one has Aretha Franklin. Or No, that's not the right name. I have to look this up. Number Crunch. Beyond the Thunderdome? Mm-hmm. Not Battle. Beyond the Thunderdome with Tina Turner. So between my favorite movie is Mad Max Fury Road and Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. I love the Mad Max series. They're just, yeah. I feel hmm. like we're headed there right now. Dystopian. Apocalyptic. I mean... They say reality always surpasses fiction. Yeah. Reality has surpassed Mel Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite movie. I don't have a particular movie that I like, but I do have a few movies that I can watch over and over. Um, One such movie, So Brother, Where Art Thou? Hmm. Especially love the music and the dialogues. I'm a fan of horror. I would say my favorite recent horror series or horror franchise, I guess, is Insidious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've watched that movie a lot. Yeah. I like the backstory. I like when horror movies have a backstory. Yeah. What's your favorite food? My favorite food. My favorite food are quesadillas. Any quesadilla, really. (laughs) And can you tell us what a quesadilla is? I feel like you have the authority to say this. I mean, it's just very simple. It's a tortilla with cheese. Nothing else. It has to be folded. It has to be folded. It's not one round tortilla on top of another one. A quesadilla is folded. That's what makes it a quesadilla. It is a single tortilla folded in half with cheese in the middle. Melted cheese. That's it. You heard it here first, folks. That's what a quesadilla is. That is a quesadilla. It's a heated argument. It is. Especially, there is a big debate on whether quesadillas should have cheese in it or not. Yeah, of course it should. They should, but they don't have to. They don't have to. No. But it does have to be folded. That's the criteria. Exactly. That's 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 the criteria I'm going I'm going for. It has to be a folded tortilla. Folded in half. 
and a little bit smashed, like a little bit squeezed. Because if it's not, then it's a taco. Corn tortilla? Corn tortilla. Corn tortillas only. It can also be flour. Flour tortilla. Are flour tortillas, like, around in Mexico? Yeah, they're mostly in the northern states. Okay. They're more traditional there. I guess that's why it got... They got more popular since they're close to the border with the U.S. Mm. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite food? Burrito. Any burrito? Honestly, like any type of food wrapped up in a tortilla is my favorite food. That is a very good choice, I would say. Yeah. Wrap it in a tortilla and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> 